When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What if you could become a better person, not by working harder, but by allowing your inherent goodness to take the lead? And not because you're a bad person, but because there's something inside you that's ready for more. How to Be a Better Person gives you one tiny step a day you can take to be the person you want to be. My mission? To help you keep growing. Hey, and welcome to How to Be a Better Person. I'm Kate Hanley, your host and the author of the book, How to Be a Better Person, which has 401 ways to make a difference in yourself and the world. This week on the podcast, we're talking about simple ways that we can all contribute to making the world a more decent, respectful place whether that's within your own mind or out in the world. It's kind of continuing on my theme that I share from time to time of quick hits, little things that we can do. But today I'm doing a little bit of a deeper dive into the idea of common decency and respect for others. Today, I'm super excited to be talking with Colleen Doyle Bryant, author of the new book, Rooted in Decency, Finding Inner Peace in a World Gone Sideways. In addition to Rooted in Decency, Colleen is also the author of a series of books for elementary school-aged kids called Talking with Trees, and a series of books for teens called Truth Be Told Quotes that teach important life lessons like dealing with subjects like honesty, emotions, and more. I'm super excited to talk to her about why being a decent human matters, what we can each do to promote decency and respect in the world, and how to deal when it feels like the world at large has lost its mind. <laughs> Colleen, welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, when I mean, when I saw the title of your book, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to have her on. I mean, being a better person and being decent and cultivating respect, it all goes hand in hand. So th really, thanks for being here today. Absolutely. So I want to dive right in. How do you define common decency? So this is really, it was a beautiful surprise that I discovered while I was doing the research for this book, because you think that we have these ideas of how to behave. We kind of know what it means to be a decent person, but where does that even come from? Mm -hmm. You know, who set that up? How did we decide? And when you look back in time to before we had laws that legislated what we should do, before we had religions with moral codes, early humans figured out that they had a better chance of surviving and thriving when they worked with other humans. And those early civilizations, or not even you know before they were even civilizations, the groups of people living together, they figured out that there were ways of behaving that helped the well-being of individual people, but also helped the well-being of the group to form relationships based on trust and fairness and cooperation. Because when those groups were able to work together, they had a better chance of surviving compared to other groups who didn't trust each other and cooperate and reciprocate. So over time, we kind of develop this sense and it evolves even into our biology, into our brains to help us know how to be a decent human that other people are going to want to trust and cooperate with. So, so it's, when I looked, 
Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, oh, it's, so it's kind of like natural selection. Absolutely. There's a natural selection element. What the social scientists have, have figured out, and, and even Darwin looked at it, was that early humans knew if people were honest with each other, if they represented themselves and the situation well, people would trust them and they would be more willing to cooperate with them. When people were respectful towards each other, when they treated people the way they wanted to be treated, it fostered these relationships that then people could work together. When they were responsible, right? When they did their part, relationships are give and take. When people acted and did their duties, when they held each other accountable, that helped the whole group maintain a level of fairness and reciprocity. And finally, compassion was a huge deal because life is hard, right? And compassion helped people to deal with the hard times, to help each other through them, but it also helped them to celebrate the positives and share the joys together so that life wasn't always quite so difficult. Well, how cool is that? I mean, it's kind of comforting to know that maybe this is bred into our DNA to some extent. However, I think it's easy to look around and sort of think like, huh, it seems like common decency and respect for one another is sort of on the decline. Uh, what do you, th what's your take on that? Do you agree? And if so, if you do agree, like, why do you think that might be, or we might have that perception of it? Well, there has been a shift in the way that we interact with each other. And it started about 30 years ago. So in the early 90s, there was a shift in the way people talked about their political opponents. And it started with politicians themselves, but then it expanded out to the media and even to just regular people having conversations. We started using words that presented our opponents not as people with different opinions, but as people who were a threat to our well-being. And this is related to a biological response called the gustatory response. Have you heard about this at all? only in your book a little bit. So please tell us okay. about it. All right. So imagine I take a plate of rotting meat and I stick it under your nose and I say, does this smell bad to you? <laughs> All right. Imagine taking that breath in and smelling that just awful stink. And what does your body do? Yeah, it, just... right? it pulls. Yeah. Right. Like your face just does it even thinking about it, right? Your face yeah. clenches and you pull back in a way and you're like, oh, that's something that's dangerous to me. Well, that is your brain. It's called the gustatory response telling you this thing is dangerous. The same part of your brain is activated when you see your political opponent with moral disgust. So mm. when we started 30 years ago using these words like, that's sick. What they're doing is disgraceful. That's disgusting. They're like a cancer that's trying to destroy us. Those are all things that trigger this sense that these people who, who have a different way of viewing the world are actually trying to harm us. And so over time, right, it's been 30 years, we've been kind of stewing in this for 30 years. What happens to your moral compass when you're coming from a place of self-defense as opposed to a place from seeking trust and cooperation? Right? If I asked you, is it okay to lie? No. Right. I mean, right. right. Unless. <laughs> but everybody has that, it, like, but except when. Exactly. What if it's to save a life? Right. Is it okay to be violent? Well, what if it's in self-defense? Right. So by creating this constant climate of fear and threat for 30 years, some people are coming into situations from a place of fear and defensiveness. And that's probably leading to more of the, the snappishness to, you know, a lack of judgment perhaps in how people are responding quickly to social media or in public and even to the justification 
of suspending your normal moral code and going out and doing something violent and abusive to people who you see as your opponent. If we've been kind of marinating in this stew of some level of disgust, right, <laughs> for mm-hmm. other groups of people or other types of people or people who we perceive as trying to harm us, it seems like the opposite of that kind of recoiling and like, ew, that's gross, is respect. And that's something that you talk a lot about in your book. And so can you tell us like, what is respect and why does it, how does it help our culture and society at large? Yeah, respect is a really fundamental behavior for society to function well. The interesting thing is respect is about treating something with care because you think it's important to do so. Right? When you treat a person with respect, it's not necessarily because you respect that person. Sometimes you treat a stranger with respect, like you don't even know them. How would you know if you respect them or not? The point is that you're, you value a civil society. You value the idea that all people should be treated with a level of care and dignity. And that agreement that I will treat you with care and dignity, and I should be able to expect you to treat me with care and dignity, that is fundamental to the functioning of a civil society. So you'll see, for instance, the golden rule appears in all the world's major enduring religions, this idea that we should treat people the way we want to be treated. Because one, it invites trust. Two, it's fair. And three, it establishes reciprocity. So when people aren't behaving that way, right, when they're not treating people with the care and dignity you think they deserve, then it shakes kind of that fundamental sense of how things are supposed to work. That's such, I'm just like sitting here stewing, chewing on this stuff and thinking about certain instances of like interactions I've had with other people on the street. I really am excited to talk about what we as individuals can do to help address respect and getting away from this kind of us versus them mentality, which you were sort of alluding to. But I have to take a quick break first. So everybody, please stay tuned. All right, welcome back to my conversation with Colleen Doyle Bryant, author of the new book, Rooted in Decency. Colleen, we've kind of been talking about what's sort of been going off kilter in the last 30 years that maybe is contributing to this feeling like um, the world's gone sideways a little bit. Now I'd love to tilt our lens more toward positivity and talk about how we can each help make things feel better. So for my listeners, What can one person do to help create more respect in the world? We can start with something really easy. Right. I love this little analogy of pointing in yourself a check accuracy warning light. (laughs) Right. So we talked about moral disgust being a biological response. And what's happening there is we have a primitive part of our brain that handles fight or flight. And then we have a more executive part of our brain. It's a little more evolved. It's not as fast at evaluating situations as our primitive brain, but it's a lot more accurate. And sometimes we need to kind of flash a check accuracy warning light to get that pause where our executive brain can catch up and help us think more rationally. So I'll give you kind of a quick example from a from a like primitive fight or flight standpoint, right? Let's say you're standing out front of your house and your eye catches a glimpse of a large gray furry creature running toward you. Mm -hmm. What do you do? Right? Fight or flight kicks in, you're you know, more more instinctive part of your brain is like, "Ah, what should I do? Alert, alert. And then your executive brain catches up and it says, wait a second, that has a collar. And doesn't my neighbor have a really cute, friendly husky? 
And all of a sudden your body calms down and you shift modes from being in I'm under threat to, oh, how can I help? So we can do that with this moral disgust thing too, right? So when we feel that tension in our body, looking at an opponent or hearing something about a policy and we go into that like, oh my gosh, this is a threat, this is terrible. We can give ourselves that check accuracy warning light, that little pause that says, wait a second, am I actually under threat here? What's the more rational, reasonable way that I can consider what I'm hearing? I like that. So it sounds like maybe the most important piece of that is really just remembering to pause long enough to consider something else. Is that right? Exactly. Exactly. That little pause can help you shift perspective or kind of help even just tamp down that biological rea reaction that might encourage you to lash out in defense instead of coming from a more, you know, mature, rational place. Got it. What's your personal favorite practical way to boost respect, whether that's, um, you know, like you were talking about respecting someone that you don't even know, or if you're having a conversation with someone that's maybe getting a little heated to kind of approach that with respect, or even if it's, you know, self-respect, which I'm sure helps us with all the other forms of respect as well. Well, I have a current favorite thing that I do since I've done this research, because what you hear about in the news all the time are the extreme cases, right? They're the people who are behaving badly. And you're, you're, you know, you're kind of like, oh my gosh, like, why would anybody even do that? Mm -hmm. But all the while, every day, people are still acting with decency in ways that we don't even recognize, right? So if decency is about maintaining relationships based on trust, fairness, and cooperation, go about your day one day, noticing how people cooperate and how they trust each other. So as an example, let's say you go to the coffee shop, where do people park? Do they just park their cars all over the place? No, they park in parking spots so that other people can cooperate and use the same space. You walk in and you wait in line. And maybe while you're in line, you like chit chat with a stranger and share a moment of human experience. And then you get to the cashier and you hand her your money and you walk away and you trust she's going to give you coffee. And by the way, you're going to take a sip of that coffee. It's not like you're going to take the cover off and inspect it and make sure it really is what you think it is, right? There are all these instances all day long where people are actually being trusting and cooperative. And that builds in us a you know, kind of restored faith that the system is working. And then when we see that one really nice thing, right? Maybe somebody drops a credit card and you pick it up and you run out to the parking lot like, hey, you forgot your credit card. People see that and that triggers chemicals in the brain and the body that are like, oh, wow, that was really, that was decent. I like this feeling and I wanna pay that forward. And then they go and they do something kind. So. Respect and kindness is actually really contagious. I love that. Oh, you're making me want to go get a coffee and just like be an observer. Yeah, yeah. Just be nice. You'd be surprised at how, uh, how people want to be nice when they're around people who are being nice. Right. And it also gets you out of your own the head where maybe you're having kind of some disrespectful thoughts. <laughs> um, mm -hmm. Because you have to be more, more open and receptive and less tuned into your own narrative, which... I imagine is helpful as well. Mm, I agree. Your subtitle is finding inner peace in a world gone sideways. So how does doing things to promote respect, kindness, and trust help us as individuals feel better about the world and our place in it? Mm. So what we find through the research is that people take solace in being a person of principle. That if you make choices that are in line with what you know is right, 
and you do things that are hard in order to to you know live by those principles that gives people an inner sense of stability they know they're good people they know that they treat themselves and others well and therefore they're valued in their connections with other people and they know they can make choices that affect their own outcomes and that gives people a sense of self control right a control over their own lives and what research has found for that is it's really good for mental wellness when you have a sense that you know who you are and the actions you take affect your own life it gives you a stability that no matter what's going on around you no matter what other people are saying or doing you can be at peace with yourself so this is actually the idea of self respect right as opposed to self esteem which is something that's different self respect is that feeling that inner peace that you gain by seeing the evidence of your own actions and the impact that you have on others oh that's really nice thank you for sharing that for people who want to hear more from you where can they connect with you well of course met on instagram and if you go to the website for rootedindecency.com there's links of course to that book the other book series you know my author page my socials whichever area of interest matters to you you know if you have kids you have teens the the other books might be more compelling so it's all there to be found out at rootedindecency.com great and i'll include links to those in the show notes as well right here within your podcast app if you scroll down underneath the description of the episode there'll be links to Colleen's stuff Colleen thank you so much for being here today i really enjoyed talking with you i did too thanks so much for having me how to be a better person's theme song left for deadish is by junior 85 the episodes are mixed by sound advice strategies if you liked what you heard in this episode share it with someone you think would like it too your voice matters also, How to Be a Better Person has an official newsletter that sends the past five episodes and a well-chosen meme to your inbox every weekend. Sign up at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com and click on Get Podcast News. I also love to hear from listeners. I mean, I love it. Send me an email by clicking on the Contact Kate button at BeABetterPersonPodcast.com or you can tweet me at Kate W. Hanley don't forget the W, or find me on Instagram at Kate Hanley Author. I look forward to connecting with you.